Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am O'Brien McMahon, and this is People Business. Every business is in some way a people business. From Silicon Valley to the restaurant down the street, every business relies on groups of people working together toward a common cause. That's no easy task. While the world around us has evolved into a high-tech, interdependent matrix, our individual software is largely the same as it was 10,000 years ago. We are social, emotional animals balancing a need to fit in with a desire to stand out. This is a show that explores individual and interpersonal dynamics, helping you become your best self while making the most of your business and the people in it. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Enjoy the show. In this episode, I'm joined by Justin Breen, CEO of the PR firm Brepic Communications and author of the number one international bestselling book, Epic Business. Justin is hardwired to seek out and create viral, thought-provoking stories that the media craves. He spent nearly 20 years as a journalist before transitioning over to become an entrepreneur and helping businesses tell their story. He finds the best stories when he networks with visionary entrepreneurs and executives who understand the value of investing in themselves and their businesses. He is extremely active in Strategic Coach, Abundance 360, and Entrepreneurs Organization, and his business is made up of an incredible global network of visionaries and exceptional businesses. This was an interesting conversation and kind of went two ways. We talked about telling stories in a way that media organizations want to share, and then in creating those stories to create attraction and attention for the business or the individual. And then the second part was we talked a lot about being an entrepreneur. Justin talks about his beliefs around the entrepreneurial mindset and what it takes to build a business to sustain over time and to deal with the roller coaster of ups and downs that it takes to be successful. Uh, It was very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here is Justin Breen. And we are live with Justin Breen. Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, O'Brien and Breen. So one real Irish, I'm guessing, and I'm uh, Ellis Island Irish name. So always good to talk to a fellow Irishman. Very cool. Excited to jump in here today. I love storytelling and kind of all the different facets that it takes, whether it's when we think of stories or you know how we use it in business and, and just communicate with each other. And so excited to, to jump into this topic. Just right off the bat, what makes a good story? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing because technology gets faster and faster. I mean, we're meeting on Zoom, which I'm very thankful for Zoom. So technology gets faster and faster, microchips smaller and smaller, you know, global, all that. But there's two constants that'll never change. And how my brain works is I simplify everything. So I just take all this content and simplify things into patterns. So this two things that never change are one, the power of real relationships, whether they're on Zoom or in person or on the phone. So that's one. And then two is the power of storytelling, uh, whether it's uh, Bible, hieroglyphics, smoke signals, cave paintings, whatever that form is, people care about what a good story is. They always have. And because I'm a simplifier and see patterns, a good story only needs two things. Um, And as background, I wrote as a journalist, wrote over 10,000 stories. And then with my current company, most of my days interviewing the top entrepreneurs on the planet. So, And so a good story is a good story. And so what does that mean? It's what have you overcome in life? Where you come from? 
what inspires you. So that's one. And then two is the news peg. A news peg is why is it a story now? So how have you pivoted since COVID? Did you write a book? Did you launch a new company? Whatever that is, that's that's easy. And so my brain just hears blah, 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 blah. And then immediately simplifies it into a good story. So the two pieces to you are where are you going or how have you overcome something? And then why is it relevant now? Yeah, I mean, because especially the second one, as a journalist, I received hundreds of useless press releases every single day from people I didn't know. So that's the problem I saw them. My firm created a solution to it, solved it, successful company. But one of the problems is that if you're pitching something and the event is six months from now, why <laughs> what are you doing that for? Or if you have nothing to talk to about the media now, then there's no there's no point in talking. There's no so that's what a news peg is. But that's blended into the story. And I mean, it's more important that it's a good story, meaning who you are, not, not what you do. For the most part, no one really cares about what you do. They care about who you are. And if they do care, care about who you are, they will care about what you do. So all these press releases that I received, you know, hundreds of times a day for 20 years, people I didn't know and they were useless. It's because they were talking about what people do and nobody cares. They want to know who you are. That's the power of a good story. Thank you. Well, that, let's transition then into your business and what you do, because you've already alluded to it. What is Brepic? Yeah, so I'm 44 now and started this company six days after I turned 40 with zero business background, zero. I didn't know what an LLC was. I didn't know you had to pay taxes four times a year. I didn't <laughs> no idea, no idea. So now I have a global company that only works with the top entrepreneurs in the world or the people that will make the investment to become a top entrepreneur in the world. And that's just because I saw a problem, was annoyed by useless press releases and created a solution to it. So all I hear over and over is we're tired of being the best secret. We want to be in news and media at a high level, create more validity and credibility for our brand. So my company just solves that problem. So it doesn't matter where you're located. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if the company's solopreneur to Company as big as Allstate, that's meaningless. More visibility is the problem you're solving. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, I very rarely hear the ROI question because it's not really about ROI. It's about just getting that validity and credibility and getting in front of the right people. And um, it's been an interesting evolution because I've lived it firsthand I've, since my book came out, and even well before that. I've done hundreds of media interviews, so I've seen the power of media from a firsthand perspective and from a client perspective. And, you know, the number one rule of PR uh, is you talk about yourself. And when I first started my company, one of the PR folks that annoyed me for 20 years, he told me the number one rule of PR is you don't talk about yourself. And I, <laughs> I laugh every time I say that or hear that or say that story because it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because the number one rule of PR is you talk about yourself because that builds validity and credibility. Why was he saying you don't talk about yourself? I was a journalist for 20 years and created my entire business model based on how PR firms annoyed me for 20 years and how PR people annoyed me for 20 years. So I have no idea what PR firms do other than annoy journalists. I have no idea. So to answer your question, I have no idea why he said that. Because it's, I, that's, that's why I laugh every time, because it's the most ridiculous thing. You know, you're sitting there as a journalist and you're like, no, 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 I want to know about you. Tell me about yourself. I mean, and it's not just that. It's just... The most successful entrepreneurs are the ones that tell a good story. <laughs> so the people I work with now on a global level, they just so they were annoyed by something 
or how a particular industry acted. They created a solution to it, solved it, successful global companies. I was just annoyed by PR firms and how they acted. So created a solution to that. How do you define PR versus branding versus marketing? Are they all interchangeable or is there a difference in your mind? You know, that's a fair question. And it's a landing the plane question, which usually annoy me. Um, I'm just (laughs) flying the plane. But I think that's a fair question. What I will say is that I'm an entrepreneur that happens to be a journalist. I'm not a journalist who happens to be a journalist. And I'm not a PR firm owner. And there's a very big difference between all three of those. And then I guess getting in news and media is definitely different than social media or email campaigns and things like that. But I just stay out of anything that I'm not really good at and I don't like to do. I just ignore it. I just focus on what I'm really good at and what I like to do. And so whether you're talking about PR or call it by any other name, what's the goal? What should people be looking to get out of that type of press or that type of talking about themselves? Yeah, it's a really good question. And again, if you ask me to tie my shoes or help my sons put on their, I have two young sons, you know, put my son's bike helmet on, I'm like, I, I can do it, but it's a nightmare for me. Things a monkey can do, I have a very hard doing, very hard time doing them. But this, I've been doing it my whole life, world class. So I just enjoy living in this world and knowing what a good story is and then knowing how to connect people immediately. And what that does for clients, and again, I've lived it from a firsthand perspective, is it helps you refine and define your message. And then when you go out into the public, you've refined and defined your message. So when you're just talking about your product, it's very easy to do that. The other thing, which has been super interesting, which I didn't expect, but again, I've lived it from a firsthand and a client perspective, is that I've been, I think, now on eight podcasts where the host has interviewed me, and then their company has signed with my firm. And that's been a very interesting surprise. So that's been good from a firsthand perspective, but then also a client perspective as well. And it's just, especially podcasts, it's just basically creating a giant transactional and transformational platform for entrepreneurs. That's really what it is. You know, as mainstream media kind of takes a dip in terms of, you know, cutbacks and losing importance, podcasts are really replacing that at a very high global level. Interesting. Do you think there's still value to going through mainstream channels, mainstream media, or do you think most of it's moving, most of the value is moving into social media, sort of, I'll call it like controlled media, like a podcast is, I, I don't know what the word is, but I, like, I'll call it controlled media. Like I produce this podcast, so I have the control over what goes out. I'm actually owning my own media channel. Like, right. do you see that becoming the place to go or is there still value in the more traditional sense? Yeah. So yes and yes. I think there will always be value in traditional media uh, in terms of as seen in Forbes or in Inc. and all that. And that's great. But again, the reason why podcasts are replacing mainstream media, which I've seen for years, but there's three reasons why. So one, the podcast host is almost always, there are exceptions, but an entrepreneur, not a journalist. So they're coming from a place of Abundance, not scarcity. An entrepreneur or a podcast host who's not a journalist is going to come from a totally different place of abundance and ask you questions that a journalist who's a journalist would never even think of asking. So that's one. Two, you can do a deep dive on the subject, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, if not more than an hour. So you really get to know the the subject and the host. So it's not a five-minute drive-by interview on TV or a two-minute drive-by interview on TV or five to 10 minute drive-by interview on radio. You don't really get to know 
you don't really get to know anything in that short amount of time. Okay, so that's those are two. And then the third, which I think is the most important, is the audience might not be as large quantity-wise, but it's a far more qualified audience. Regular person's probably not going to listen to this, but high-level entrepreneur probably will. And so I, I like what you said about controlled media. You know, it's basically, it's your audience. It's your audience. It's the people you want to bring on. And I mean, that's most successful entrepreneurs to begin with. They have their audience. They know who they want to be a hero to, and they just kind of ignore everything else. And when you live in abundance, there's so much business and opportunity out there. So if you know who your audience is, then those are the only people I'm talking to anyway. I know who my audience is. Have you read Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans? You know, I haven't read that, but that's an interesting perspective because most people have, you know, many people have told me about that. And all my company is, when it comes down to it, is fans who understand what I'm talking about. And the only people that really understand what I'm talking about are two types of people. Well, one, they have three attributes in their mindset, visionary abundance investment. And so people with those three attributes are my two types of fans. One, they're running high six-figure to 10-figure businesses. They see their family and friends whenever they want to. They do what they like to do and what they're good at. Or fan number two, they're going to be one of those people. And the good part about that is once you find those people, it grows from 1,000 fans to 2,000 fans to 4,000 fans. So the company is 30, 40,000 of those fans. It just keeps growing. I've read and believe in the value of doing that, right? Like niching down to figure out who your tribe is, who really resonates with your message. There can be some scarcity that comes with that. And there can be the fear to turn away business or to turn somebody off. Have you always been good at that? Or is that <laughs> is that something that you've built as you became an entrepreneur? Yeah. So that's a great question. I strongly believe this. I'm sure there's folks that would disagree, but I've just seen this. You're, you're either born to be the highest performing entrepreneur on the planet or you're not. I mean, most people, if you can say, hey, you can work with whoever you want to, make as much money as you want to, only do what you like to do when you're good at, most people would choose that. But most people can't do it because I have not met one entrepreneur at the highest level. Very, I'm not talking nickel and dime business. I'm talking highest level. That has not overcome at least one of the following four things. And most of them are two or three. Some are all four. The all four ones are really successful. But the four things are bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy, two, depression, three, the highest level of anxiety you can imagine, and four, likely under possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So most people are entrepreneurs that fizzle out, people that stay employees their whole life. They use those four things as excuses their whole life, or they're just not able to they just they can't become a world-class entrepreneur because they can't overcome those things or they don't even think about the possibility. So I strongly feel that you're born this way or you're not. And most people are not born this way. They're just why? Because if they were, they would they would choose this life to make as much money as you want, hang out with who you want. They would choose that, but they can't overcome those four things. So you're born this way or you're not, but what you can work on to your point is your mindset. So I just work on my mindset every day, treat my brain like a muscle. That's why I mean just abundance, visionary investment. So those are the three attributes. Those are the three key ones. And that eliminates all this other stuff. It eliminates the scarcity. It eliminates the fear. And when I say eliminates the fear, it turns the fear into courage. It turns it into propelling yourself forward as opposed to how most people use fear to hold hold back. And I, entrepreneur at the highest level would never let fear hold them back. They would just push through them. 
So I want to got an interesting question for you here, at least interesting for me. So you talk about being an entrepreneur at the highest level, about being born that way. Do you think everybody should aspire to be an entrepreneur at the highest level? No, absolutely not. I think when you talk about people at the highest level and entrepreneurs, and, and we've sort of put entrepreneurs on a pedestal rightly or wrongly right now. And it's it's a very sexy thing to be like, oh yeah, you're out, you're the creator, you're this, you're dealing with those four things that you mentioned, you know, you you're sucking it up. But like to me, that doesn't seem like that's for everybody, nor nor no, should it be. It's like, almost for no one. It's almost the world no. wouldn't be a rich place if if we didn't have all kinds of people. Right. Yeah. So I partner with the basically the point one percent people with those three attributes in their mindset. I there's 8 billion people or so on the planet, so 0.1%, because I live abundantly, even though most people would say that's a small number, 0.1% of 8 billion is 8 million. That's a lot of people. And the 8 million people are the ones that create everything that employs everyone else. But entrepreneurs are, at the highest level, very damaged people. But they didn't let the damage, wasn't an excuse. Do you think it's because of the damage that they're able to do that? Or do you think it's because they push through the damage that they're able to do that? Everyone, for the most part, has been through some type of traumatic experience. I haven't met one entrepreneur at the highest level that hasn't overcome at least one of those four things. And it's funny because I've, you know, most of my days talking to the world's top entrepreneurs, and I say that, and then I can see them nodding. They're like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> all four, all four. <laughs> the all four ones are really successful. But to simplify it, I don't know if people can understand up here without being down here. I just don't think it's possible. And maybe it is. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen people at the highest level been at the lowest level first. The other thing that you said about being an entrepreneur is, you know, you're born this way. And if you were born this way, you'd be doing it. You were a journalist for a long time, right? You said it was after your 40th birthday that you switched over to to start your company. Did you always have an eye on that prize and saying like, someday I'm going to do this. I'm born this way and this is what I'm going to do. Or like, how did you come to the realization that, you are an entrepreneur and you are this type of person. Right. And so when I was a journalist, they would give me these weird jobs because they didn't know what to do with me because, you know, I wasn't meant to be that. But this is what I mean. I was born to be this person is that. So quick timeline, February 10th, 2017, we had a five minute meeting with the company's owner and managing editor where they cut my job salary in half. I hadn't done anything wrong. It's just that's what happens in journalism. I mean, you're seeing a lot of that now, yeah, especially locally in Chicago. Oh, okay, so job salary cut in half. So tried to find a full-time job, couldn't find a job. Incorporated my company, Brepic, April 16th, 2017. So over the next six weeks, I reached out to 5,000 people to find my company's first five clients. So one out of 1,000 people said yes. Interestingly, 0.1% of, of folks said yes. And so I got my fifth client on June 1st after 4,995 no's for five yeses. Most people can't do that. I mean, that's where they stop. This was just to get the company started. So then June 2nd, I resigned. And then uh, Robert Feeder on June 5th, he's the top media columnist in the Midwest of Astoria, started my own firm. So that was just <laughs> that was just to get the company started. Most of the entrepreneurs I talked to have been way, through way worse than that, way worse. What does that take to get through that? Were you just like, well, this is it, this is it, this is it? Or were you, mm, that's did what you... I mean. There's no, that's, that's what I mean. Most people just stop at that. They don't understand. Was there anything you did or anything you said to yourself to keep going? Or did you just, you just never thought about quitting? No, no, no. entrepreneur life, highest level, you never would even think about that. 
there's a test called the print test, P-R-I-N-T, and it uh, tells you your unconscious motivators. It's a really good test. So people see the tip of the iceberg, but they don't see under the water the majority of the iceberg. So my main unconscious motivators, the two number ones are uh, to be strong and self-reliant and to succeed and achieve. So unconsciously, I'm constantly motivated. So what would you say to the person who's maybe early or mid-career who is working a, a career job but feels like it's just not quite a fit, that you know the, the glove doesn't fit quite right, but they're learning a bunch of skills now? Like, What, what advice do you give to the you know 28-year-old, 30-year-old Justin? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's a fair one. And then one of the chapters in my book is when you start a business, it takes two full years to really figure things out. Most people can't handle handle two months of this of this up and down roller coaster. They can't handle it. That's why most entrepreneurs fizzle out, or they stay small, or they don't think globally because they can't handle the ups and downs. The worst day of my corporate life, which also was the best, by the way, when my job salary was cut in half, that was the worst day and the best day. That's not even the top fifty worst days of entrepreneurial. I'm mean, not even in the top fifty. And so most people can't handle that type of stress, and but. If you are born to be able to handle it, then you can you get to this point where I'm at, where I've just started my first company. It's doing really well. I've just launched a second one. But you have to give yourself a two-year window when you actually start it. And you know, I was taught, you know, I'm glad you mentioned 28 and 30. Good time to start. You know, if you have a computer, you have a laptop and a phone and a good idea, and you you can handle those four things, you can have a global company. Very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. But I was talking to a 52-year-old the other day. He's an employee, and he's talking about, oh, well, do I take the leap? I'm like, this, like you've been holding yourself back for 30-plus years since graduating college, and there's no excuses. There's no excuses. You either make the investment or you make an excuse. And it was an interesting conversation because I could just feel his misery being stuck in employee life. But he, had, he didn't have the guts to do it. He didn't have the guts to take the leap. And that's the, that's a real tragedy when people don't have the guts. But most people don't. They can't do it. They can, most people are that 52-year-old, 53-year-old guy who can't escape their own prison that they've created. And that's the real tragedy because there's two reasons why people I've found that are they're miserable in life. One, they never find out what they're good at and what they like to do. So imagine doing something eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week that you don't like to do and are not good at. That would be, that's a miserable experience. So that's one. Two was the case that I was just talking to this guy about. His, this is even more tragic, in my opinion, is that he does know what he likes to do and what he's good at, but he's, he doesn't do anything about it. And that's, that's a real tragedy because you're just denying yourself and you're denying the world what you're actually good at because you're afraid to do it. For somebody like that, do you think that person is better off taking the leap and figuring it out? Or do you think they're better off resetting their expectations and really coming to grips with what, the, what they really want in life and the lifestyle that they really want? I mean, I don't know how to answer that because I just, I can't think like that. But what I will say is you either make the investment or you make an excuse. And at the highest level, there are no excuses, only investment. There are no excuses. And so most people don't have the courage to even listen to something like that. They think it sounds arrogant, but it's not. It's just you have to be confident in yourself and believe in yourself, have the courage to believe in yourself. And sadly, most people just don't, they just don't have that. And I don't know how that happened, but 
entrepreneurs at the highest level would have never, they just, it would have certainly never taken them 52 years, maybe 40, maybe 45, but not past 50. I just, it just, I've never seen that happen. It makes me think. So I saw a snippet of Gary V talking about this type of topic where, and I'm pretty sure it was Gary V. And he said that, you know, one of the biggest reasons that people are unhappy is they don't understand what they really want. So many people think they want to be the CEO. They think they want to be the founder. And so they put this expectation on themselves that if they're not doing that, they're somehow a failure or lesser. When in reality, there's way more people who would much rather be a great number two person than a number one person. And if they would just accept that that's where they're happiest and that it's not a judgment call on them you know, nobody's judging them that they're not the CEO and they're the number two or even the number three or number four, you know, that that's really where they're happy, then they'd be happy. And they wouldn't have these expectations that were pulling them to a place that they're not really built to go. Yeah, it's a really good point. And one of my friends is Jesse Elder. He's just a genius. So he always talks about knowing who you are, but knowing who you are not. And he knows who he is not first. And that led to knowing who who he is, but knowing who you're not is really more important. So I'm not a glad handing BS PR firm owner. <laughs> I'm just a direct as they come entrepreneur who happens to be a journalist. That's what I am. And then I only work with one type of person and company does one type of thing. And then to your point, end of 2018, I'd made more money than I ever thought possible in a year. And I'd never been more miserable in my life. So I'm like, oh, okay, money doesn't make me happy. <laughs> so this was way I, after you started your business. This is after I started my business. Yeah. And it was a good learning experience that that's not what makes me happy. But, but to your point, I actually learned from that and realized that's not what I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My, my 10X in life is very simple because I'm a simplifier and I turn things into patterns. So my 10X is two, not only two things. One, experience in life with my family. If you have a good family life, you have a good life, period. Two, uh, network on a global level. When you 10X your network on a global level, you create endless opportunities for your network and yourself. So the byproduct of all that is I spend as much time with my family as I want to, which makes me the happiest. I only partner with the people that I want to create endless opportunities for them. They create endless opportunities for me. My company's very, very profitable, but it doesn't start with companies very profitable. I must make more and more money. That just doesn't resonate. I'm not that person. I'm all my best friends. I know Bill Bloom introduced us. I'm very grateful for that. But all my best friends, with the exception of my wife, who's not an entrepreneur, they're like Bill Bloom. They're entrepreneurs at the highest level that would never let entrepreneur life destroy their family life. They would never do that. So I want to unpack what you said about money for a second, because I think money is one that a lot of people get in their head. Like a lot of people have goals when it comes to money. And so I think there's a principle here. Did you think money was going to make you happy? Like having more money would make you happy when you became an entrepreneur? Yes. And then, so how did you let that go? What was the process like for realizing that the thing you thought was going to make you happy doesn't make you happy and letting that go? Because those things become part of our identity. Like that's the story we tell ourselves. And it can be hard to let that go, especially when other people around you might be valuing that thing and being like, okay, you can value it, but it doesn't make me happy. What was that process like for you? Yeah. So, you know, again, 
you're either born highest performing entrepreneur on the planet or you're not. And then you're either born with a brain that can learn from something like that, or you can let it destroy you. And I'm, you know, I'm a learner. I will activate and actually change. If something's not right, I will change it. So that's the background. And so end of 2018, so I'm like, okay, I need to learn from this and do something about it. So a couple things. One, leaned on my wife heavily. My wife's the kindest, most loving person on the planet. She's basically the exact opposite of me. She's a hundred percent great. She's a, a pediatrician, so she's love, love, empathy, warmth, meetings, rules. But so lean on her heavily. Uh, started seeing a therapist, which was very helpful to talk things out to help uh, process the traumatic experiences that I dealt with as a child and young adult. Leaned on my mentors. One of my mentors is one of the. I stay out of politics completely, but he's one of the top political strategists. Uh, in Illinois, his company is, and uh, he's a great guy. And I was telling him, "Hey, man, one plus one doesn't equal two here. More money doesn't equal more happiness. What's going on? In fact, it's the opposite." He's like, "Oh, he's like, oh yeah. Every entrepreneur at the highest level has gone through with what you're, what you're going through. So, okay, so learn from this, and when it happens again, then you learn that oh, it'll be okay. So I actually learned from that experience, and it was I'm glad I went through it because I learned a lot." about myself and what actually makes me happy. I talk to a lot of really wealthy people, what most people look at as successful. And I always ask those people, you know, how's your family? And not all the time, but many times they're like, oh, I never had a family or I never saw my family. And I can see it and hear it. I would never do that to my family. Was that the issue in 2018 that you were sort of sacrificing family for money and that was what was making no, you No, that's a good question. That's a good question, but that wasn't it. So in entrepreneur life, you go from corporate life so where you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. Okay, so you're getting a paycheck. In entrepreneur life, you can go 30, 50, 60, 70K a month, and then next month you're looking at zero. And that's a not a good roller coaster to be on. <laughs> and it's a very, it's debilitating. And like I said, it takes two full years to really figure things out when you start a business. And knock on wood, very thankful. My company's always been very profitable. And I'm very thankful for that. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand how this worked yet. So I was only a year and eh, about a year and a half in. I just didn't understand how the the business cycle worked. Now I now I do. Now I do understand it. But it was debilitating. It was you go from this incredible high to like, oh my God, where's the next? I coming from and now i just learned from that and how it actually works got it and you had said i want to circle back to some of the pr work that you actually do here because you had said that you have done countless interviews yourself you have had profiles done on your business i know you've had profiles done on you and your wife personally what are the benefits that you've seen of that kind of attention like when you get that kind of attention what happens? Yeah. So why are we talking? Why did you mention that? Because you've seen it. So it gives you a foundational piece to bring things up and you know about who I am. And what I've seen from doing this now four years and then being a journalist my entire life is that it's a long play and a long game. And I did a, a podcast about two years ago. That podcast might have had 10 listeners, might have had 10. And uh, I was talking to, about five months ago, I was talking to an entrepreneur up in uh, 
Western Canada. The podcast was based in Canada. And uh, I was talking to the, the guy in Western Canada. He's like, oh, I heard your interview on that podcast. When do we start? Okay. And so when you do this and you talk about yourself, you're just planting all these seeds. And you don't know which seed will lead to what fruit. You don't know what seed will lead to what crop. And so I'm just constantly planting seeds, whether it's in interviews or talking to the top entrepreneurs in the world. You know, most of my day, Monday through Friday, is talking to the top entrepreneurs in the world or doing podcasts like this. So, you know, that's between five and 10 conversations at the highest level every Monday through Friday. And that's just endless seeds, endless, that will just continue to yield crops. But again, most people don't, they're never going to, they're just not, they're going to be like, oh, I talked to 10 people. I didn't get a client out. that's not not how it works but you just keep planting seeds just keep planting seeds keep planting seeds keep planting seeds and it's you you never know that's the exciting part now now i understand how it works it took two full years to understand yeah that's actually the same analogy that i use to talk about sales that i've been using for a long time is i feel like the more people i meet the more great conversations i have the more i can help people the bigger the field that I've planted, right? It just adds to the size, to the acreage that I've planted these seeds. Most seeds never sprout anything, but if the field's big enough, you know, you're going to have a, a, a pretty good garden when you collect everything that has sprouted. And so I, I think about that in my own life as well. Well, there's no doubt. And I'm all, I only grabbed my book because I wanted to read the chapter exactly right. But one of the chapters in my book is building relationships is a lot like farming because it's about planting seeds is waiting for things to grow. So that's, it's fun when they, they grow and then they sprout a year later or two years later. And again, I've just started my first company really in the grand scheme of things. It's a little over four years old. And so some of the seeds that were planted two, three years ago, they're starting to yield crops now. I just, again, in 2018, I hadn't it hadn't been in it long enough for enough seeds to to sprout, and so it'll be exciting. Now I look at it as excitement because there's all these things out there that were planted a long time ago, not really a long time ago, but a year or two ago. That'll just and then I just keep talking to higher and higher level people and planting seeds with them. So when those seeds grow into crops, those will be really big. I mean, those will be big crops. And that'll be really exciting. And you just keep growing full crops. It's endlessly fun. Question about the content of those conversations, right? So you're doing a lot of these, you do a lot of podcasts, you do a lot of speaking, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. Are you reiterating the same message over and over and over again? Or are you, is the message varied out in the market? So most of the conversations, most, not all, but most of them, we very rarely talk about business. As you get higher and higher up on the ladder, there's very little business. So unless someone asks me what specifically my company does, I don't even bring it up. The problem that my company solves is a problem that most entrepreneurs at the highest level, they don't know how to solve it. So they'll just hire my firm to do that for them because because they have those three attributes, visionary abundance, and best mindset. They realize that's a good solution to the problem. So they'll just problem solved but we talk about our families and we talk about cool things going on in our lives and where we came from what inspires us and i'm just endlessly fascinated by that 
the people who do it and they execute at the highest level, almost without exception, they're the nicest, kindest, most giving people. And I have tremendous, tremendous empathy for them because I know what it, I know what you have to go through basically without exception to get to them. You just have to go through this, all these things to get to that point. So I have all this empathy, tremendous empathy for them. And it's great to find people where there's commonality, where you're not explaining things over and over. It's just already, you just understand each other right from the start. Well, the reason I asked that is because I was thinking about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And, you know, when he got up, you know, in the Capitol and gave that speech, originally he was going to give another speech. And he had given the I Have a Dream speech, you know, a thousand times in churches, you know, across the country. And everybody in his circle had heard it. And so he got up there and wanted to give, you know, give something new to the audience. And somebody in the back said, tell him about the dream, Martin. And he, you know, closed the speech that he was going to give and wound up you know, saying, I have a dream and just let it flow from there. And it was that time, that thousandth time that he said it, that it just caught fire across the country. And, <laughs> you know, it's iconic. And, you know, one we out all... of a thousand, one out of a thousand. That's what I'm saying. He gave it 999 times before. That's, that's, so all he's just an entrepreneur. I mean, he's an entrepreneurial thinker. And I'm 44. In my lifetime, in my opinion, the, the most, important speech it, from my perspective is the Jimmy V speech, the Jimmy Valvano speech. One, because of it created the V Foundation and what that's done. And that's amazing. But in terms of what an entrepreneur is and what the highest level thinkers are, he talks about, you know where you come from, you know where you are, you know where you're going. And so you remember, he gave that speech right before he died. So he knew where he came from, he knew where he was, and then he knew where he was going. And the really the highest performing entrepreneurs in the world, they understand at a high level where they come from, what they've overcome in life, what inspires them. They know where they are. They have great company, great companies, but then more they, then they know where they're going. They have a vision and they know they'll execute it because they've overcome those things and they'll never give up. So know where you come from, know where you are, know where you're going. That's just an entrepreneur speaking. He, you know, he might have been disguised as a men's basketball coach, but that's just an entrepreneur. You have talked quite a bit about abundance and having an abundant mindset. What is abundance in your mind? What does it mean to be abundant? Okay, so abundance is an ample quantity, an abundant amount, an extremely plentiful or oversufficient quantity or supply. So most people, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of society on a global level lives in scarcity, lives in cost, lives in transactional world. I only live in investment abundance visionary world. It just bypasses all that scarcity stuff. And so when you live in abundance, again, I work with the 0.1%. So most people who live in scarcity would think that's a small amount of people. 0.1% of 8 billion is 8 million people. 8 million is <laughs> eight million's a lot. Most people live in competitive space, competition. There's no competition. I don't compete with anyone. I'm 100% collaborative. I don't sell anything I'm the buyer. People pay my firm, but I'm the buyer. I only partner with the people I want to partner with. They pay my firm, but I'm not selling them anything. I'm just buying. They have an opinion. No competition, only collaboration with the people I want to collaborate with. So it just eliminates all the scarcity that most people are living. They're just living in scarcity world. And the interesting part is, is that 
if you think about it, the history of human species has been scarcity. Why? Because, you know, if you go outside your cave, you got an animal out there, it's going <laughs> to kill you. I mean, so, or, you know, you're going to live till 20 years and get killed in a war or, you know, the depression, hunger. So this idea of abundance hasn't been around that long. Really, I think really since, you know, the personal computer has been developed that you really can live in abundance. Again, you can have a computer and a phone and a good idea and guts, but you can create a global company. You couldn't really do that 50 years ago. You just couldn't, you couldn't do that. It was, the technology wasn't there. So the technology is, is there now for the folks who can do it to live very abundantly, very quickly. And people that live in scarcity, they find ways to be scarce. <laughs> Even though there's endless abundance around you, they find ways to be scarce. I just have no commonality with that. And I have nothing to say to people who think and again, were you always like that? Or because it sounds like that maybe that first year of entrepreneurship, there was some scarcity no, with that's the roller what I mean. coaster. No, 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 no. So again, you're either born like this or you're not, but you know, I just work on my mindset every single day. I mean, I've worked on my mindset for years. And again, the overwhelming majority of society is cost scarcity. So when you're surrounded by cost scarcity, you become cost scarcity. I always knew that I wasn't, I was different than that. When I was a journalist, I would write the stories, um, which is the same stories that my firm does now, about the inspirational people, the cool things going on in society, the things that would end newscasts that end them and on a bright note. Those are the only stories my firm does. So I, I just didn't understand the negative connotation of that. I just didn't know who I really was until I start, started the company. But you know, I'm in two of the top entrepreneurial groups in the world, very grateful. One is Strategic Coach. I'm very confident saying that's the top entrepreneurial group in the world. It's led by Dan Sullivan. Who's, uh, I'm very confident saying the top entrepreneurial coach who's ever lived. He just turned 77. And, I mean, he's, he's, you know, Bill, Bill and I, Bill Bloom and I are both in 10x. So, you know, that's the middle level of Strategic Coach. And then, then I'm also in Abundance for 60, which is, I mean, these people are the smartest, most successful people on the planet. And I like being the dumbest person in the room. And, they all they all live abundantly and they're the people with you know building creating flying cars with the capital to do it or mars travel with the capital to do it so i like being in a room like that but those people are hard to find at first but once you find them then it grows very quickly because those people just hang out with other people like that what kind of work have you done on your mindset what or i guess what work has been most effective to help you build and maintain that mindset so again i'm a simplifier and turn everything into patterns. So my entire life is basically good patterns and good habits. Okay. So seven days a week, every day, the first thing I do, the very first thing is I do a grateful journal to my wife for what I'm grateful for, for her the previous day. Most important thing for my wife is for someone to say thank you to her. Um, doesn't really matter to me, but for her, it's number one. So that's what I do that grateful journal for her because without her, I'm in a ditch somewhere, not a good situation. So I know her everything. So that, okay. So then six days a week, I run outside, no matter the weather conditions. I've been doing that for 15 years. So in Chicago, it gets cold here, gets hot here, gets rainy here, gets gross here most of the time. Okay, whatever, run outside. And then during those runs, I listen to podcasts and really good motivational things and mindset. Okay. So that's, it's good for body and mind. And then five days a week, so seven, six, five, every Monday through Friday, I do a grateful journal on LinkedIn. I have about 26,000 followers. Do a grateful journal for what I'm grateful for. 
that day. So I'll, I'll include this conversation in that. I don't and know. Then, wait till it's over to see if you're grateful for it. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm you don't have to jump to conclusions yet. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, it'll definitely be in that. But and you know, again, most of my day is talking to the highest mindset, top performing people on the planet. So you're surrounded by people like that constantly. You you just absorb it. So to simplify all of that context, when you're constantly grateful, it's hard to be ungrateful. When you're constantly abundant, it's hard to not be abundant. When you're constantly investment mindset, it's kind of hard to be scarcity. I mean, it, you just, I just, I eliminate all this other nonsense from my life and I just concentrate on the things that make my mindset even more impenetrable. You just flood as much of it into your life as you can. Let it drown out all the negativity. Yeah, that's right. And that's what it does over time. But again, most people won't put in the time to do it. They're, they're looking for quick fixes. And at the highest level, there are no quick, there are no quick fixes. No, no, no. One of my favorite books, sort of top five uh, that I try to live by is uh, Compound Effect. Yeah, I love Darren Hardy's a great, yeah, great guy. Yeah. yeah, I love that book. I know we're coming to the end here. What are you most excited to be talking about these days? Number one. So you asked me to simplify my simplification. So number one is um, <laughs> before COVID, I spent spent more time with my children than any dad I ever met. And now I just spend more time with them. And my father was 61 when I was born. So he'd be 105 if he was alive now. And he died when I was 13. So I know what it's like to not have a dad around. I know what that's like. And I'll never, that's what I mean. I'll never be that person that lets entrepreneur life destroy family life. And so I'm most excited that I just get to see my kids whenever I want to. And then uh, they get to understand and grow up with the fact that entrepreneur life is possible because most people don't even understand this life is possible. So I'm giving them this foundation. They can do whatever they want with it, but that's what I'm most excited about. That's the most important thing by far. I mean, there's not even a close second in terms of what entrepreneur life is. It allows my children to see that this life is possible. And then my wife and I, our first date was the day before she started medical school. So if there's anything comparable to being an entrepreneur, it's going through medical school because I saw what that was like. And so my kids get to see, you know, my wife living her dream as a pediatrician and then living my dreams entrepreneur life and so that's what's really exciting to me is that they get this really great foundation and they can do whatever they want i love that thank you for sharing that last question what is the purpose of business so the purpose of my life is to be a connecting superhero for every visionary abundance investment mindset entrepreneur and share their stories with the world so i think the purpose of business is to find the purpose of your life and actually do something about it Justin, this has been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you coming on, sharing your perspective, you know, one on your profession and and what it is you do, but two on just what it means to be an entrepreneur, you know, how to build a company and really how to build yourself and fortify yourself as you're doing that process and and create a good life for yourself. Because to your point, what's all the money in the world if your life sucks? (laughs) Good simplification there. Appreciate that. And you're exactly right. Hey folks, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Thanks for coming. Go make the most of your business and the people in it.